0: All right, mate nice one do you want to just like just kick us off by explaining to everyone who you are what you do and uh, we can go from there
1: yeah sure so uh, yeah obviously name is callum uh, also go by the name the phone jacker uh so right now uh, yeah i've been on a bit of a journey for the last two years but right now uh i provide sales training uh primarily to those that are self-employed on a one-to-one basis but also in-house uh training uh but specifically for uh what is probably the hardest task for salespeople and that's cold calling. Um mm. so yeah, I've been doing that, the training side of things for about uh just under six months, I think now. Um but yeah, that's what I do in a, a little snippet.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So like if you, could you like it'd be really interesting to understand like your journey up until this point of like actually getting into sales and getting into sales training. So like if you could take us back well, as far as you want to take us back, really, and um and then, yeah, just yeah. walk us through your journey up until till present day
1: yeah, sure, um okay, so look i i um initially, I did a marketing degree. we'll go far as back as that yeah i'm um, thirty four yeah thirty four in a few weeks, so we're going back a while now, but yeah, I uh did a marketing degree, and that was kind of the plan was to get into advertising or the advertising space. Uh, I was attracted to the, the the flashy lights and the colors and all the branding and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that was the initial plan. And then basically when I was at university, I went to Nottingham. There was uh, a placement year, kind of a gap year where you do work, right, for a year. Mm. And uh, I was really fortunate um, where I ended up getting a job at Microsoft. Um, so I went there for a year, worked in uh, their advertising team. And uh, yeah, went back and finished my degree. That job had literally nothing to do with my degree at all. It was project management. So I everything I learned on my, my marketing course, uh, very little applied uh, in the real world when I did that job. So I did that and then uh, they offered me a job Uh, when I graduated. So I just went straight back into it. And uh, I hated it. And it was a lot of hard work, long hours. I got paid well for a graduate. So that wasn't an issue. Uh, And then I remember after a while, I really disliked uh, my job. I thought this, this isn't the future that I want. So I need to do Mm -hmm. something different. Uh, And my boss at the time, he was really helpful. And I was having chats with him. He's like, what do you want to do? Uh, And he set up a couple of conversations with um, some senior people at Microsoft. So I had one chat with a sales director and another chat with, um, it was a CMO for one of the divisions within Microsoft. I think it was Xbox. So anyway, I had a couple of chats with them and I was like, right, what do I want to do? And uh, I remember one day, it was a Friday afternoon and I never got to finish early on a Friday. I'd always be there till five, six o'clock. And I remember watching uh, in the door uh, three or four salespeople and they were leaving at about one o'clock in the afternoon. I thought, where the hell are they going? So I was chatting to them and uh, they were like, yeah, we're going on a client lunch. And I thought, you know what? This sales gig seems like a lot of fun and uh, yeah. sounds easy, right? I finishing early and going off for lunch. Uh, and g- genuinely that was the kind of catalyst for me to get into market- into sales. Uh, and so. I there was a job opening that came up uh, within the sales team at Microsoft, and I just applied for it. And there was a lot of um, overlap with the work that I was doing at the time. And, uh, yeah, they just gave me a job. And, uh, yeah, I went straight into sales from that. So, yeah, I I didn't take kind of the traditional route. I didn't fall into it. I just made a a stupid decision more based on the fact I didn't want to do what I was doing at the time. And sales seemed like an easy kind of out, so to speak. Uh, And yeah, how wrong was I? Um, So yeah, I did that. That's how I got into sales. And then I, I did that role for maybe like 18 months. And then i decided uh i did quite well out of it uh i was very fortunate i had people selling uh my product for me so i didn't it wasn't a traditional sales role in terms of i had to go out and find my own business um, mm. and kind of do the whole cycle from prospecting to close. i had people selling my product for me uh which was good and i did a little bit of selling on the side uh and yeah i did really well out of it I had my best uh commission ever uh, never managed to hit those heights again uh and then yeah i went traveling for the best part of a year actually when i was about 26 27 um so yeah i did that went traveling and then i came back and then i was like right i've got to get a job again i'm broke and i i made a decision that i'd worked for a big corporate um and it was good fun but obviously you get a lot of office politics um probably as bad as i think it can get at a big corporate. Uh sorry Microsoft if you're listening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought, right, I'm gonna get into a startup. I want to uh I want to get a proper sales job, although I, I didn't really get that, but I'll come on to that. Uh, and I was like, right, I'll I'll join a startup, something that's fairly new, uh and it will be good experience for me to um kind of have like no brand um to to work with or have leverage to get meetings and all the rest of it. So yeah I did that. I went to a company uh and i had a, a relative bit amount of success uh but i was only there for nine months because i don't know if you remember gdpr that came in uh, yeah, yeah. and that had a big impact on, on the business and they closed down their international office they're a u.s company so yeah i got made redundant after nine num- nine months uh and then i had a couple more jobs um that didn't really work out um which was my own fault picking the wrong company uh, but it was difficult. Right. I had I got made redundant. I had a month to find a job. So I had to just get whatever I could and then try and figure things out. So, yeah, I made two mistakes working for shit companies. Uh, and then finally, before I became self-employed, I worked for a company that was in the advertising space or so the marketing space um, where I was selling basically um digital marketing services to uh, online sports books and casinos. So you've probably seen those betting ads where they're like, bet, deposit £10, get 100 and all of that. That was basically me for a couple of years, although I didn't sell much. Um, And so, yeah, I did that. And then it got to a point which kind of brings me on to where I am now in my kind of journey and my career where uh, I was really struggling and COVID hit. I remember that. And uh, obviously I was selling into sports books and casinos and uh, a lot of that was live sports betting, right? And for about four or five months, the whole sporting calendar was put on hold. And so, yeah, whatever, I wasn't doing very well at the time anyway, I really struggled. Um, But whatever clients I did have, I lost quite a few of them. Um, And I really struggled to um, find new business. A lot of these sports books and casinos, were looking internally because they were trying to navigate this world themselves right and see where they could um kind of grow revenue or what opportunities were still left if there was no live sport and so yeah I really struggled and it was that point where I was like right I need to get some help so I did that and I worked with a fella who you know Benjamin Dennehy mm-hmm. uh, I worked with him for about 10, 10 months uh and yeah he taught me everything Pretty much everything that i know to do with prospecting and and the world of sales so yeah i worked with him for about 10 months and then um it got to a point where i had a conversation with him one of my one-to-ones and uh i basically said to him i was like look i've quit my job and uh he just laughed at me and uh yeah he looked at me and just laughed he's like "That's some of the best news i've heard all year i didn't really understand what he was getting at but i basically quit my job because all of the stuff that he taught me um, that I was trying to put into practice and get better at and develop. um, I basically kind of I kind of hit a wall with the company that I was in. One of the reasons was there weren't that many sports books in casinos. Um, there aren't that many in the UK. I was targeting Europe, mainly, mainly Europe based um, businesses. But there was a team of us. So we had countries that were split up so i probably had like less than legit companies like less than 50 that i could prospect so cold calling wasn't really that fruitful and obviously a lot of them are shady companies so you couldn't call up the office they had like some sort of um i don't know what you would call it like a shell company company or office location yeah literally because obviously loads of people lose loads of money (laughs) through their sites and sports books and all the rest of it they don't want people turning up at their office like threatening them and all the rest of it like they legitimately do ruin lives Well, maybe they don't but they they provide the environment for people to ruin their own lives right so yeah it was really difficult um to kind of progress um And so, yeah, I got to a point where I was like, I can't, if I really want to get good at this, I can't stay here and do that. It's just not the right company for me. And I had some issues with, um management who were were great with me but at the same time didn't really buy into everything that benjamin taught me um because i'm sure as you know maybe some of you listen specifically well he a lot of the stuff that he teaches is very left field right and it goes against the grain uh literally like i would say 80 percent of what i do now and what he taught me is the literal opposite of what every other salesperson does Mm. And so, yeah, when you're trying to sell that into your manager as right, well, this is basically everything you've taught me and uh, yeah, everything that you do in your sales process, I'm going to do the complete opposite. Um, didn't really go down that well. And also a challenge for a lot of salespeople with they're looking to get kind of support from people like me or Benjamin is that if you decide to do that on your own, and I, I did that from my own money and I invested my own time, right? Um, you're basically giving a middle finger to your boss, right? And just saying, I don't trust you to to train me and help me and all the rest of it. And so uh, obviously there was a little bit of that that kind of was underlying. Um, and obviously they just want to see results as well. And it takes time to get good at it and all the rest of it. And so I had quite a bit of success uh, in terms of cold calling, booking meetings and getting new clients. I, I did start to turn it around, nowhere near enough to kind of warrant uh, me staying there and to be fair the company were good in, in the sense that they didn't sack me because they could have done that multiple times right i was there for a, uh i struggled for the last year of it i was there for a couple of years so yeah i had a three month notice period and i was like right i'm just gonna quit my job and figure something out because that seemed like the right thing to do um and yeah i back to this conversation with benjamin he laughed at me and said this is some of the best news I've heard all year. It was early in the year. So it wasn't probably the best news he had he all year <laughs> in the end. So I think it was like February, March, but yeah, we had a laugh news, joke about it. He I, yeah. Yeah. He'd had a shit year that year. Um, and so, yeah, we had a conversation and he was just like, well, my, in my head, my thoughts was that I was going to find a company that was going to allow me to have the freedom to sell how I wanted to sell and we had a conversation and he basically just said look all the problems that you've been experiencing with this company uh you're probably going to find the same um same experience working with most other companies and also he said you're going to really struggle because whilst you lack uh real world experience um like i knew the theory really well and Mm he's like you're going to go into an interview and you're going to know more about sales in theory not in practice than the person that's hiring you and no one wants to hire someone that's like better than them right in in that sense again i'm going back to the theory not the real world experience um so he's like you're going to find it really difficult even if you do manage to get a job so he's like you've only got one option and that's to to go out on your own and um And if your motivation or your goal is to kind of master everything, then that's the best alternative to getting a job. And so, yeah, with that, it was an easy decision. I deliberated it for like 24 hours. It's like, right, yeah, I'm going to go do this, go out on my own. And then, yeah, that was when the phone jacker was born. And I uh, set up uh, basically a lead generation business. It was just me, self-employed. And I worked with clients who wanted me to get them in front of the prospects that they wanted to meet with um and yeah i did that for 18 months and then i was like right i've had enough of this i'll teach people how to do it instead so yeah we got there in the end that's basically my career my journey um and yeah how i got to where i am today
0: so when you set up your your lead gen agency then so how did you find because obviously you've you've obviously had sales training you know and uh, I probably went for a similar journey to you, mate, because I was, I had some very mixed training the first couple of years of my sales journey. Um, A lot of it I don't use anymore, but how did you find obviously working with Ben and then learning all this sort of alternative or new age, modern uh, advice, whatever you want to call it. um, Mm -hmm. How was it going and say up here in the gen agency and like actually implementing the, the, the theory, like what, was it a, a bumpy ride or did you find it all just like click straight away?
1: Oh, uh, was it a bumpy ride? Yeah, it was a bumpy ride, but, um, I had like, I had enough experience on the phone. Um, cause I'd practiced loads. And like I said, I started to, uh, book meetings towards the end of, uh, my employment. Um, and, yeah i like I said I, I practiced loads and i just found ways of speaking to people on the phone um and yeah of like the 50 leads that i generate like actual leads that i had and could contact uh, i managed to book quite a few meetings through them using the phone so it wasn't uh in terms of going out and doing it on my own was i was i as prepared as i could be probably not uh definitely not actually. Um there will be loads of people out there that've got well, at the time had more experience prospecting on the phone than i did and like the idea of going out on their own but were too scared to do it um yeah that's definitely a reality uh but yeah i did that basically what i did and how i started it out was i um benjamin gave me a little bit of direction in terms of where to focus uh and all i did was i built a list of i think about 300 companies And three different uh, industries. One was marketing. I can't actually remember the other two. I think one was IT and something else. And uh, basically, I just, in my head, I was like, right, I'll get one client from each industry. Because obviously, if you're cold calling or prospecting for a company, you can't really prospect for a competitor, right? Because... You're mm. gonna you're not gonna help yourself because you're gonna be need to be speaking to the same people. It's like, right, how do you decide which one? So I needed to get yeah. uh companies and clients from different industries. Um I was really fortunate in two senses. One, my first client was a referral through Benjamin. Um and yeah, we set it up that way. So that was my first client. And then um I was really fortunate in that i my the first two meetings that i booked uh, both of them became clients and so yeah i didn't really struggle in that respect in terms of having to book loads of meetings and fail and all the rest of it uh i was really fortunate in that sense but i I also say fortunate i think that's also uh a testament to um how well the phone works as a channel to book new Mm. meetings because Half of the sale is is there, right? And also, another thing is that it, if you're prospecting on the phone to find companies or clients that you're going to prospect for, it's like a blind interview, right? Because they're going to see exactly how I'm going to speak to their prospects. And yeah. also, if I can book a meeting with them, then in their mind, they're thinking he can book meetings for me, right? So it's sort of a blind interview in that respect, obviously one that they don't expect until you phone them up. Um, but yeah, I, it's a testament to, to cold calling and, and why it's something that I like hang my hat on, so to speak, is because half of the sale is done there, right? All I'm trying to do is find companies that are struggling to get in front of new clients um, and they want to grow the business, uh, then it's just a case of, if I can find them, then they're already qualified for me. Then it's just a case mm. of getting on on a call and figuring out, uh, what does this look like in their world? What's the strategy? How, how am I going to help them? What does that look like? And then just the, the intricacies of data and prospects and all of the rest of it. And so it was, um, like I said, it wasn't easy. Uh, it was a lot of hard work. Um, but I was fortunate for those two reasons in getting a referral as my first client, and then both the the two meetings that I booked, both of them became clients. Um, and then after that, I was really I don't want to say fortunate again because you kind of make your own luck. Uh, but I I can't remember my first client was maybe around September, and at, at the time I just focused on cold calling, and then yeah managed to get these clients on board, um, and then. I was started to post on LinkedIn uh to to basically start marketing essentially uh and try and yeah get some inbound leads further down the line so I didn't have to cold call, call and find them yeah. and uh yeah I str- I struggled for uh about three months where i put loads of content out there it was all shit um and obviously didn't get much traction as a result and i remember benjamin again massive influence and help him get into this point in so many different respects but i had a chat with him and i was like i'm really struggling with this linkedin thing like yeah have you got any advice what what should i be doing differently and he was just like you just got to start posting uh videos of you cold calling uh yeah. and you'll you'll get a lot of traction. And I was like, Yeah, why the fuck didn't I think of that? And mm. so literally, uh this was around Christmas time. So after three months of posting, um, not every day, but most days. Yeah, I started in no in December I started recording uh videos of my calls. Uh and then I started posting them in January. And then it literally took a month before I started getting inbound leads. And I was posting maybe two, Were three you- videos a week of me cold calling. With, with the on.
0: videos, are you um are you yeah. posting them natively on LinkedIn like, like there the video yeah. was just straight up to LinkedIn or was it like YouTube, and then linked to LinkedIn?
1: No, it was all, all native. Uh, yeah. it, initially, it was just like because cold calls could be quite long. It was just clips. Yeah. Um. So it'd be like minutes, like a minute or a minute and a half long clip of a conversation, just loads of different scenarios, um. And yeah, it just really took off. And the only reason it took off was because. Just no one else was doing it. Um, and so I just stood out like a sore thumb. And obviously, you kind of practice what you preach by doing it. And that was the interesting thing was, uh, like, going back to your initial question in terms of getting new clients, I really didn't have to prospect that much for my prospecting business, which is ironic, I know, because I said, I I got a referral from my first client, my next two clients, um, I, I literally booked two meetings and got them both on board. And then yeah from february after a month of posting cold call videos i had more inbound leads uh coming in that i could even deal with like obviously because i only had a set amount of time so i could work with two free clients at a time um and so yeah I, I literally had a wait not a waiting list but i just had a list of people that got in touch so I, anytime i needed to find a new client for whatever reason i would just call them up and yeah i just had these warm leads so to speak um waiting there and yeah i just called them up until someone booked a meeting and yeah just got a new client that way so yeah whenever i was really fortunate whenever a client something went wrong perhaps it didn't work out or a client decided to to stop working with me i just had like so many like tens tens of uh companies that i could just call up and um most of them were still looking for someone to come in and do it because it's not a very nice job right so uh obviously there are loads of lead gen agencies um and a lot of email i'm sure you get loads in your inbox i do um but yeah there's just not that many people at the time putting content out there in terms of cold calls um and marketing their business their lead gen business that way so yeah yeah it was i was really fortunate and and it worked out um it worked out really well given i had no fucking idea what i was doing (laughs)
0: that's awesome um yes it's it's funny man it's funny like you said you know you prospecting business but you're not having to prospect to get business which is an awesome place to put yourself in but i suppose the argument is like you know all this stemmed from the fact that you did seek out training yourself so you actually invested in yourself you obviously created a really good contact in in ben dennehy um obviously he's he's exploded as well and um yeah and then obviously you know you must have presented yourself well in the sense that he's actually recommended you sorted you out a client but again it's your work because you're obviously a good student or whatever, picking things up. Um, and then it was something I was going to ask you actually later on in the call about like the importance of personal branding because it's like in 2023, I feel like everyone should be building a personal brand to some extent if they're running a business, right? Mm-hmm. Because what you've basically done there is you, you've got two ways to build credibility in the sense that you're prospecting people while at the same time showcasing your prospecting ability on the on the cold call to them. It was like, well, hang on a minute. I've got a hold of you. So if I did this for you, I could do it. <laughs> if, I, if I could get hold of you, I could yeah. do it for you, um, which is, which is an interesting one. But you're also like putting yourself out there, showing, uh, building credibility with your audience by actually showing that you're actually doing the job. Like, um, you know, uh, Jack and Zach, uh, uh, we have a meeting, um, had them on the podcast yeah. a few weeks ago. And uh, I love their, their cold calling live streams. It just, induces anxiety watching it like i can't imagine how it feels for them especially as they've got like their client on the call as well um who's like sat there waiting um i saw one with uh with jack actually so the the clients like there and then jack's on there and there was a couple of other people on it and um mm-hmm. he actually messed up the call which was i found really interesting uh, but the way he took it like in front of the client, he's almost got them a meeting, but he just sort of rolled with the punches. call sort of like fizzled out, put the phone down, and he was like, "Yeah, mess that one up." Oh well, on to the next one. And that that little bit mm-hmm. I found so interesting because, you know, the, what, what's what's the number one reason people don't want to do cold calls? Well, they're scared of rejection, right? They're, sc- they're shit scared of like someone saying no to them, having a go at them, whatever. Um, so how do you deal with and how do you teach, like, how to deal with that mindset um, aspect and the rejection aspect, dealing with rejection? How, how do you go about that?
1: Okay, there's quite a bit to unpack there. There's two parts to it because you mentioned um, that most people fear cold calling because of rejection. Uh, there is a part of that. Uh, let me answer that bit first. Right. People, if there is a fear of rejection, uh, this comes from and it stems from, uh, like you said, mindset, but more so beliefs. Right. And um, every company that I've ever worked with from the top down, and this is from the CEO all the way down to sales director, there is always this belief that people can and like salespeople should and or can and should sell to everyone. And the reason I think that is there's this, um, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, there is a word for it when um, like a, an internal bias, when you think you're really uh, amazing and great. I can't remember. It's like a comp something complex, right? Um well, God complex. you can help me out there. Like, uh, you know- um,
0: it's not, no, it's Messiah complex, Messiah complex.
1: Yes. Yes. That's the word. That's it. Thank you. So yeah, that, 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 that happens in every single company, right? Because, However, the company was founded, um, the founders, the CEO, whatever managing director, they think that the thing that they've invented is the, or the product or service they've come up with is the best thing since sliced bread. Right. And yeah. they're so invested in the company that there's this belief that they can and should sell to everyone because they think their product and service is that good that if they get in front of anyone, then they'll just kind of wow and dazzle them into to buying from them. But we know that that's just not the case. Um, And so when you have that kind of uh, belief system and that mindset in companies and that's kind of fed down to salespeople, they fear rejection because they're attached to the outcome, right? So if it's cold Mm. calling or if it's email or whatever prospecting technique, they're attached to the outcome because they believe there's no reason why that person shouldn't want to meet with them. And so if you're on a cold call, it's the hardest because you literally hear and feel rejection. Um, but yeah if someone says to you no I don't want to meet or I'm not interested or we've got this covered we've got a supplier already if you're attached to the outcome every time you hear no it's like a little jab in the ribs right and the more you do of that the the bigger that kind of pain gets in your ribs until it's like unbearable um, so that's the reason why people fear ejection right and when I'm on my cold calls I'm not attached to the outcome all I'm attached to is the process that I use on my calls so all i care about is where am i in my process and have i executed it exactly how i want to or should execute it uh and if i make a mistake then that's on me right it's not the prospects fault it's no one else's fault uh i'll take the the lesson and i'll move forward and try and make sure that it doesn't happen again which uh, i always make mistakes by the way like every every day if i'm on the phone i'm i'm going to make at least one or two mistakes like hopefully not that catastrophic and sometimes they can be recovered but it's hard like cold calling um, conversation after conversation is hard to focus and it's not the pl- most pleasant of jobs anyway right so you're going to make mistakes anyway but that's how i kind of deal with uh the rejection piece right uh, no one can reject me as a salesperson. person they can only reject what i'm talking about so as long as i'm talking about the right things and uh, if they tell me, no, I, I don't have these problems, um, then fine. I'll I'll do my best on that call to to disqualify them out. And if I've done a good enough job, fine. I'll even figure out whether that's likely to change in the future or, or whether it makes sense to call them back at a, a, another time. And I'll just move <laughs> on to the next one. So I'm just attached to doing a good job and following my process and doing that well. That's all I care about. The rest will fall into place afterwards. Um but yeah, going back to the other thing around fear of yep. cold calling, there's there's two parts to this. There's fear and anxiety, right? These are two different emotions. And the fear piece comes from uh, an internal belief system, right? So you've probably heard of expressions like chip off the old block and the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Uh, and another one that Benjamin taught me was, um, I think it's ancient Greek, show me the child age seven and I'll show you the man. Um, basically, they all mean the same thing, right? We as individuals uh we are very similar to our parents right and the reason that happens is i don't know if you know this yourself but from between the ages of 0 and 7 all right we're babies we've been put on this planet and um, we've got no prior experience of how to exist right how to interact in society with other people how to survive um how to just function as a human being and think about all of the rules and things that we've learned Uh, throughout our childhood right Um, manners being uh, a a really obvious one and so yeah from the ages of zero to seven because we've got no prior experience of how to operate on this planet we need to learn from someone so our brain is in a different um, state so it's in a state of theta, which is also the same like when you just go nod off to sleep there's a period of like maybe a 45 minutes to an hour where your brain is in a state of theta uh, and it's also the same state when you get hypnotized you um, and the, the reason that yeah theta t-h-e-t-a it's like the uh, the brain waves the brain signals that uh we give off that's about as complex as i can understand it or articulate it but yeah the, the purpose of it is um and this is a kind of the link to hypnosis is that when yeah when our brain is in a state of theta we're literally just downloading our environment and so like i said if we've got no prior experience of how to exist and how to operate on this planet then we need to learn from somewhere so between the age of zero and seven and you've heard the or you've heard people say that kids is kids brain are like a sponge that is exactly why right we're literally observing everything around us um from our environment but also we observe those that are closest to us which typically is going to be our parents right and so we basically take a lot of beliefs um and behaviors and all of the things that they basically operate from we kind of download those and we take them into adult life uh and some of them are good right so like i said manners are really good please and thank you um are really good for us to kind of get by in society um but there are also some things that we were taught as kids that are great when we we're a child but they just don't serve us very well in adult life so these are the ones that uh have an impact on sales the first one is that um we were told uh, not to speak to strangers right you yeah. obviously heard that uh growing up as a child don't speak to strangers is obviously really good as a child right it keeps us away from potential harmful people but it's not very good in adult life how are you men to make new friends how are you men to find a new partner and how are you men to find new business if you work in sales right every prospect is a stranger at some point and so yeah it just doesn't serve us very well and then there's some more don't interrupt busy people i i'm sure yeah. many people listening have experienced that perhaps you went to your mum, dad when they're in the middle of something reading a newspaper watching tv and you ask for pocket money and they said don't interrupt me i'm busy and the more you hear that the more negative reinforcement you get right and you're like right okay don't interrupt busy people otherwise you get told off uh and there are a couple of more um if you were really young and you're just learning the language and people that have got young kids in their life um we're all we're often asked loads of questions right what's that what color is this what do you call that all of these things right and Throughout our childhood, when we learn in that language, that programmed into us, right? We've got to answer questions, but also we've got to get the right answer because if you give the wrong answer, you're encouraged to give the right one, right? And so the more and more you experience those scenarios, those beliefs are embedded into your belief system, into your brain, right? And so when it gets to cold calling and back to your point around uh, fear of cold calling, um, all of those tapes that scripted behavior that kind of sits in our brain comes out into the fore, right and what is cold calling it's literally you've got a list of prospects you know most of them are going to be at director level ceos mds one they're all strangers two you know they're busy people because you work with directors and they're rushing around the office so you can never get hold of them um, you know they're going to ask you loads of questions in the back of your mind you know that you'll you believe you've got to get the right answer. And so that's all these tapes and this scripted behavior that kind of sits with us in our brain. And yeah, at the very thought of cold calling for a lot of people, all of those tapes come into the fore and all of the stuff that we got taught growing up was there or designed to protect us. Right. And so the brain has been programmed to believe that these tasks and doing those things is going to be harmful. And so that's why we come over with this irrational fear of cold calling because Our brain is telling us that this is a dangerous task to do. Um, And so, yeah, that's the fear part. And obviously I talked about um, the rejection piece, but also there's fear and there's anxiety. And obviously we know anxiety is caused by um, a feeling or or a lack of control over a specific event, right? We know something's going to happen in the future, but we just don't know what that might be and we can't control it. And so that's also something that salespeople um, will feel. And typically, like we all know, the best way to overcome anxiety is preparation, right? Is if we can't control something, the best thing we can do is prepare ourselves to be able to control the very thing that we're afraid of. And most salespeople, uh, as we know, are winging it and they don't have a process. They don't have a... A uh, structure or a framework, they just pick up the phone and they just say what they want to say. And yeah, if you don't have, if you don't know, if you're not prepared for every potential outcome or possible outcome of a cold call, how are you going to, what questions you're going to ask? how you're gonna handle objections, um, what you're even doing, right? That's another one that salespeople, they don't even know the purpose of prospecting. And so they go into Mm. it and they're like, well, my job's just to get a meeting here. So everything they do and all the questions they ask are directed at that. And that's why you get so many pushy salespeople because they beg and plead for the meeting um, going back to my point around fear of rejection, because they believe that they can and should sell to everyone, so they just call people up and they won 't take no for an answer they 'll push for the meeting um, and ultimately they 'll piss prospects off, which is why cold calling and sales has such a bad name yeah. Um, so yeah a long winded answer there's kind of three parts to it fear anxiety, and then the fear of rejection from pretty much all beliefs and obviously a lack of preparation
0: yeah, and then do you think that obviously like in knowing all that as well really helps, but do you think you it just comes with experience and doing it often or is other do you have any like specific techniques or maybe even like processes that you go through every morning to build yourself up essentially?
1: yeah, no, it's a really good question actually because like cold calling I've been doing it for God knows how many years now, like four years i think um and to this day, there will be days where I just wake up and I just think I can't be asked to do it. Um, and one of the things that I still have to work on now is I guess what you would call affirmation. Uh, mm. And it's kind of like what you tell yourself is really important. If I, if I go around and I do do this on my LinkedIn posts, right? I talk about the fact that I, I, I cold call pretty much every day and I teach people how to cold call, but I don't like it. Um, And deep, deep, deep down, I don't like it. I don't know anyone that that would, right? It's not the most pleasant task. It's very repetitive. Um, And yeah, there's loads of obviously challenges that come with it. But the affirmation part is that you kind of got to learn to love it because the reason I, going back to kind of the story around setting up the phone jacker, um, I obviously knew I had loads of success with um, cold calling the book of meetings that way. I didn't really understand, not necessarily understand, but I didn't really appreciate how effective cold calling is. Um, But after a while, it got to a point, and even more so now, where it's like, yeah, deep down, I don't like cold calling. But if I want to run my own business and like going into sales training, it's not like I have uh, loads of inbound leads coming in for people to um, come and train their sales team up. I had to, and I'm still doing it now, I have to pick up the phone and prospect, right? and so, yeah, deep down, and you have to kind of make a decision, or I made a decision. It's like, maybe I don't want to do this, but I've got to learn to love it, because if I want to work for myself and enjoy the freedoms and all the rest of it that, that come with uh, working for yourself, then it's like, I've got to learn to love it, because I'm going to have to do this every day for God knows how long, right? I, I don't know. Um, like at what point if i ever get there um where people will come to me and i'll have more inbound business for sales training in-house stuff anyway um that i won't have to cold call anymore and Mm. so yeah it's two twofold on that is one you've got to prospect every day uh that is paramount because the minute that you don't like it takes so much energy um and um I want to say muscle memory, but it's kind of for the brain. I guess it is muscle memory in some respects is that if if I take a week off or a couple of weeks off from cold calling for whatever reason, when I come back into it, I'm going to slip into old habits and old ways. So the best way to stop that from happening is to cold call every day, right? So it's much better to cold call for an hour every day than five hours on one day, right? Uh, And yeah, by doing that, you kind of, you remove what people would call call reluctance. Uh, because you know it's not a very nice task um and basically by doing it every day you build a habit and obviously everyone knows the importance of building habits james clear wrote a very popular book atomic habits right um same with anything going to the gym going for a run i don't necessarily love doing it but if you just do it every day you don't even think about the negative emotion right you just go and do it and it just becomes a habit so yeah that's really important um doing it every day but the second part to it again is um the 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 affirmation piece in the sense of if you're trying to do something that you don't want to do you've got to find a way to kind of train your brain to not necessarily not necessarily love love it but to to quieten that noise that that noise that voice in your head that's saying don't do it there's or do it later we can do it tomorrow all of this stuff you've got to that's the hardest part i think once you're a seasoned cold caller and you've been doing it for a while is consistency uh, and th- those are the two things uh that i would definitely that i still work on today um and yeah have those internal conversations um but then the other thing kind of to answer your question for people listening is that is all preparation right the hardest thing is turning up to do it Um, Mm. and so to, and this, I guess counts for anything, but cold calling is probably more difficult than a lot of tasks that people do in business. Um, but yeah, preparation is key because if the hardest thing is turning up, you basically want The only thing that you need to do is turn up and then you can get on the phone and start calling. So it's having your list prepared and getting everything set up that way, making sure you've got enough prospects. Um, Yeah, sorting your list so you know who to follow up with and all the rest of it. Um, And yeah, so I do that every day the day before. So I make sure before I finish, that's all set up for tomorrow. So when I do get at my desk in the morning, it's like, right, this is all I got to do is press press uh, play so to speak. Right. And we're into it. Um, and I think that that's really important preparation. I said, I think that counts for a lot of things like even going for the gym, right. Getting your gym kit ready and doing all of that. Um, yeah, if you can do that and just make it so that the only thing you got to do is put it on and go to the gym, then it's a lot easier rather than, Oh, my kit's in the wash. I need to find Mm. everything because it's just an excuse not to do it. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the same applies to cold calling for sure.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's really important to um to make things frictionless. But also like like you said, you know, doing it every day. Yep. Um I'm a big like David Goggins fan. Um and uh and that sort of crowd, like Joe Rogan, that sort of thing. So I started having mm-hmm. like cold baths or ice baths um in the morning um because I absolutely fucking hate it and every single time yeah. every sometimes I'll be sat there in the bathroom for like five minutes. And my brain would just go,ing oh, just have a day off, just have a hot shower instead. You don't need to. No one's going to know. And um, yeah. uh, very occasionally it wins, but it it's one of those things where it's like you always feel better having done it. And it's yeah. just like a who's that other guy? I listened to this other guy called the Mindset Mentor on on, on Spotify, um, and he mm-hmm. calls it is like in a little bitch, and um, you just got to like tell that little bitch to sh- shut up, basically because that's yeah. basically all it is. It's just like, it's just your brain going into protection mode from like, you know, how we've been programmed um, for evolution to, to stay safe and survive. Um, but no, man, that was, that was all really interesting. Um, I think one question I absolutely do have to ask. Um, yeah. I've got, I've got a couple actually that, that everyone's like definitely gonna want to hear your opinion on because it's like some of the most common cells um, questions ever. But first of all, how do you, How do you and how do you teach getting past a gatekeeper?
1: Yeah, so uh, there's, how can I uh, make this answer succinct? There's two parts, maybe three parts to it. The first one is that um, you can't sound like a salesperson, right? We all know that a gatekeeper's job is to put the right call through and not put the wrong call through and so we also know that no one wants to get a sales call so we can't mm. let on that it's a sales call and we can't sound like a traditional salesperson because it's just not going to work um and so yeah you can't do that the best way to do it is you've got to sound like the the person Uh, that you're trying to get hold of you need to sound really important so if i'm doing it and i'm trying to get hold of a ceo or an md i try and sound like them because i know that if i can get the gatekeeper to believe that i am a ceo or an md that i'm an important person so maybe they should put the call through Uh, and then the other bit is uh the art of confusion right because you know every gatekeeper up and down the land all over the world probably they've got the same script Who are you? Where are you calling from? What's the call about? And are they expecting it? And so, you know, you're always going to get answered those questions. And the trick is to not not answer them. I don't want to say honestly, because I would just bend. I would just bend the truth or use ambiguity of words to my advantage. So like one of the things is they ask me what the call's about. I just say I've got a note to give him a call. And obviously that implies that the CEO or MDs called me and asked me to call them back. That's what most people would think, but that's not what I mean. But then on the flip side, I literally have a note on my uh, spreadsheet, right? I need to call this person. And so, yeah, there's ambiguity there in the words that I use, uh, but I'm also really direct. I'm to the point. And like I said, I sound like I belong. I'm not flustered. I don't get... Uh, I don't sound like a wimp or typical sales person. Uh, and yeah, I try not to answer as many questions as possible and flip them back with questions. And really all you want to do is just get the gatekeeper to just be like, I don't even know what this is about or who this person is, but I don't get paid enough to deal with this. So I'll just put it through and let them deal with it. Right. And that's the bit where you kind of play on confusion. Um, and yeah, just kind of get them to submit. Sometimes it's really easy, right? You just say, yeah, I'm can you put me through to so and so? And they're like, yeah, one sec. And they'll do it. But most of the time you're gonna get those four questions that I mentioned. So yeah, just don't answer them as much as you can or don't give too much away. And you've got to sound like you belong, sound important, sound like the person you're trying to get through to. Um and it will work more often than not. Not always gonna get through, but it will work more often than not.
0: Yeah, I think um I think it was um your mentor Ben then he actually I've I've listened to a podcast uh a while, um recently and he was talking about like intentional struggle. So he was like, he'll sound like he doesn't really know what he's doing. And yeah, like people have a tendency to help people out who are struggling. Right. So do you implement that at all? Or I
1: do not as much as he does. Cause he, um, I think the story when he was talking to me about it was, uh, when he was in recruitment, um, he was put on the phone and, um, again he will openly acknowledge this um speaking in the public domain but he just he just had a way with um communicating with people and open up a conversation and um kind of being more like a chameleon right and adapting to the person that they're speaking to to make them i guess build rapport make them like him so so, mm. d- so to speak um and yeah he just i think he just discovered just by doing that by getting on the phone and speaking to people that if he ever struggled, people would kind of drop their guard and open up. Um, And yeah, I remember him telling me he developed a stutter, um, but he was doing it day in day out that it filtered into his uh, personal life. And so I think he does that less and less. I never developed a stutter. Um, I'll just kind of sound surprised. Um, And um, one of the other things that kind of plays into it is Like everyone likes to talk about being the smartest person in the room. And if you acknowledge that at face value, the the default position is you need to know all of the answers. Whereas I don't want to, I want to be the smartest person in the room by asking the best questions. And so Mm. I'll ask questions, even though I know the answer to them, Um, but I'll ask them in a way that just makes it sound like, I don't know what I'm talking about. And it could be like, try and give you an example. It could be like the most, um, if a prospect said to me, um, like they're working with a specific tool or a specific, like a competitor, for example, I'd say, oh, I never heard of them. What are they like? Or what do they do? Uh, And that's, it's kind of the similar, same thing uh, in terms of the thought process behind it. But yeah, I don't stutter. Um, I just sound like I don't know as much as the prospect. And yeah, it works because, like you said, people like helping other people, but also kind of back to that Messiah complex. Uh people love to be right. So any scenario where you can kind of elevate people and make them feel smart, then again they're gonna drop their guard because they don't think you're on their level. Um and it will get them to open up. So yeah, it's a it's a really good um kind of strategy to use in just communicating full stop, right? Is um yeah, play yourself down and elevate other people up.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't realise he actually developed a, a startup by the way. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think it was worse. I don't know if he still does it. Um but yeah, it was I think it was quite bad to begin with. Um and then yeah, he kind of shook it off a little bit, but I know he's there's some parts to what he still does where he has a startup. I just developed one there, I think. <laughs>
0: It reminds me of the um, South Park episode. I don't know if you watch South Park, but he uh, Cartman pretends to have Tourette's as (laughs) because he can swear all the time, and then he develops Tourette's as a as a result of it. Um, No, I've not seen that one.
1: No, I love I love South Park.
0: Yeah, it's funny, man. It's funny. Um, This is potentially a controversial one, but what's your thoughts on doing research before calls? Like, do you do research before calls? Uh, on the company Uh, if so how much or do you just like do you just need minimum information you can call anyone
1: yeah really good question uh the short answer is well yes i do research but i don't do it straight before the call i guess the idea behind researching is a lot of people have this idea of kind of building rapport with prospects and they believe that the best way to do that is to find some nugget of information about Mm. them as an individual the company awards they might have just won or any information about them in the news uh and use that as some way to kind of stripe strike up a conversation with them um and sort of warm them up before they go into like their sales pitch or this cold call or whatever that might look like um the problem with that is that prospects don't give a shit And if you speak to most prospects, uh, you always see the data. I don't really trust these stats, but I can believe it that most people don't want to deal with salespeople. Um, If there was a solution or a way that they didn't have to do that, then most people would choose not to uh, just because that experience is, is so poor for many of the reasons that we talked about today. And so, yeah, whenever you do that, whenever you research that sort of thing and you lead with that, especially on cold calls, I mean, the last thing they want to do is they just want you to get to the point, right? Why are you, who are you and why are you calling? So yeah, whenever you kind of lean into stuff, that's got nothing to do with the context of the conversation and the prospect can just smell that your brown nose in them, it's going to put them off, right? And they just think, fuck another sales person. How do I get rid of them? So yeah. yeah, I don't do research in that regard. Um, and even out of kind of that context, like trying to find something about the company, um, in terms of i don't know like context, if it was recruitment, trying to find out if they've got any jobs that they're hiring um on um their website or whatever uh I mean you could do that, but it's probably a poor example, but the only research I do is to figure out um should they be on my list to begin with, and so obviously I'll try and figure out what is an ideal customer, what are the criteria company size who who um the best person to speak to do i need to speak to an md or is there a cfo or a cmo that would be better to speak to but always at director level um and yeah maybe there are some other criteria in terms of revenue company size that's something that i look at for sales training because i want to train teams and not like one or two salespeople. Um, that is all the research that i do and the reason why and and sort of Why you don't need to go very specific and again, go back to that recruitment example is that most people hire, not most companies hire people all year round, right? Or they're going to hire someone at least once unless they're one person in the year. And so the benefit of calling them up is even if they're not hiring now, you can find out when they are hiring in the future and call them back at a relevant time so you don't need to research their website to find that out. Um, you could probably call them up and um, maybe that will be uh, a good way to drop them an email and just say that we've spoken here are my contact details. If anything changes, and maybe they'll remember you. They might, might not. Um, and yeah, I'll just do it that way. I, that's the best form of research is to speak to your prospects. And you might get loads more information out of them that's more specific than you can get on their website or LinkedIn. Um, And the other reason I wouldn't do research is because I remember earlier today uh, it was to do with email prospecting, but the, the uh, question still remains. Someone was on a podcast and it was a clip on LinkedIn. They were saying that they were spending 10 to 20 minutes uh, on every email to personalize it. And obviously we know not most emails, but you don't know whether an email is going to get read first and foremost. And even if it gets through, it might be sat in their junk box uh, if the email's not very good, it might not even get read. They might just delete it, um, make it smell it a mile away. So you're spending all this time and the output uh, or what you've actually sent doesn't even get seen. And it's the same mm. with cold calling. You could do loads of research on the prospect and then the bastard just never picks up the phone and it's like, well, was that a good use of your time? The answer yeah. is no. Right. And so, yeah, that's the pitfalls of it. And I'll go back to that point. Uh, this is something that is overlooked with cold calling. And I remember the chatting to someone ages ago, um, a friend of mine, they were in the process of setting up their own business and um, they were talking to me about using me to prospect for them. And they were like, before we do it, we want to do loads of market research to figure out uh, whether this is going to work or not. And I, I asked him, I was like, "How much are you going to spend on this?" And he's like, uh, "Well, nothing. We'll do it ourselves." I was like, "Okay, but how much is that going to cost you? Because your time is valuable, right? What, what's, what's, what is this going to take away from you being able to do in the business that might be ben- more beneficial?" Yeah. Um, and I was like, "Well, why don't I just call some people up and speak to them? <laughs> you tell me what you want to find out, and I'll call them up and I'll and I'll get the answers and uh, maybe get some meetings off the back of it. But if I don't, at least I've got." loads of market research to understand whether this is gonna fit or even am i speaking to the right people right sorts of companies do you need to try something out um yeah that is often overlooked with cold calling and it's a great way like i said it's a great uh market research tool um and yeah you can just call whoever you want speak to them figure out what you need to figure out? Do you need to speak to different companies, different industries, different people? Are you speaking to the right people? All these sorts of things that cold calling can give you the answers to. Uh, so yeah, that's often overlooked.
0: Yeah, that's it's really interesting. Like uh, I had another guy on called Will McGee. He's um, he's like in the recruitment space, but he talks a lot about like validating your market, um, and he's mm-hmm. in recruitment and you know it's the same with any sales job, I suppose really. But you need to make sure that. There's actually a market there. First of all, um, in recruitment, there's a real big problem with like people start hiring, well, start recruiting for um, a niche, like a certain yeah. type of software engineer or whatever, and there's just no demand. Yeah. But they don't realize because they haven't done any proper research or haven't like picked up the phone and spoken to their their audience. They just sort of they waste like three or six months time. Um, and then realize six months down the line, oh shit, actually no one wants to buy this product. So I need to change. Whereas really they could have just, you know, even hired like a, uh, a cold calling agency, a lead gen agency. And so can you do some research, go speak to these people, see if there's even a need for this yeah. first. Um, and it's super important, but Absolutely. with regards to, um, like objection handling as well. Um, mm-hmm. by the way, have you got, I know we've only got 10 minutes left of our, of our slot. Do you need to shoot in 10?
1: No, no, I'm good. I'm good. You go, Jerry, Yeah, cool. I've got nothing. Up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just yeah, to make sure. Uh, <laughs>
0: um, the like dealing with objections. Mm-hmm. So, do you have a do? How how do you how do you do that? So, do you just have like a cheat sheet, or is there a particular structure that you have to um, stick to when dealing with objections? Like, how how do you generally go about? Yeah. That?
1: Yeah, really good topic to cover um, because the the default position or the consensus in the sales world with objections is they use the word uh, overcome, right? You've got to overcome these objections. And it just implies that literally every objection ca- can be overcome. Uh, mm. And that's just not the reality of it because um, sometimes objections can be uh, statements of truth, right? It's- might not be an objection. It might be the actual truth. Uh, A good example would be uh, if you're speaking to someone on the phone and they're like, no, I'm happy with my current supplier. They might literally be happy with their current supplier. And there's very little that you're going to be able to do, say or do on that call specifically that's going to make them change their mind. And so that's the first part. And the second part to it is um, no objection is the salespersons to Overcome, right? It's not their objection. The prospect brought it up. So, knowing those those two things, uh, I never want to overcome objections. I want to first understand is it an objection or is it a statement of truth? Are they telling me the truth? Um, And then the second thing is I'm not going to deal with this objection. I'm going to flip it back and let the prospect deal with it. So, what that might look like is I want to challenge the prospect. So, I'll use that example again. If someone says to me, I'm happy with my existing supplier. I'll challenge them and I'll push them away and I'll try and find out if they're telling the truth. So I'll typically do that by saying, well, when you say you're happy with your existing supplier, you're telling me everything's perfect, right? And By taking it to the extreme, they've got to answer the question, uh, is everything perfect or is it not? And so based on their answer, I'll deal with that, but it will tell me where they kind of sit. Are they actually happy? Are they really, really happy? Or are they just telling me a lie? Uh, And then I can deal with it. And then the way that I would flip it back by uh, letting them deal with it, I would say something along lines like if, if they so, let's say they say to me, I asked them that question. Oh, you meant to say everything's perfect or something to thereabouts. And they said, well, no, nothing's perfect. I'd, I'd ask them, OK, so when you say nothing's perfect, if there was one thing your existing supplier could do that or could be doing better, uh, what would that be? uh and then i'd get that answer and then i'd flip it back to them and let them deal with it by saying okay so if there was uh another company or another business out there that could help you fix this problem you mentioned you're happy with your existing agency you wouldn't be interested not even in a conversation right and so i'm letting them deal with it they've told me that they're happy with their existing supplier i've tried to figure out where they sit is that Are they actually happy or are they really happy or are they just telling me a lie? And then I'd flip it back to them and let them deal with it because they're the ones that said they're happy. So if I can find out whether they'd be even open to speaking to another agency first, not working with just speaking to them, if I can see where they kind of sit with that, then I've what i would say is i've dealt with that objection right i've not overcome it it's not mine to overcome they might say no there's literally nothing you could say or do on this call that's going to make me want to change agencies this problem this one thing that they could be doing better it'd be a nice to have but changing agencies changing suppliers changing business can be a right pain in the ass and i don't want to go through that it's not worth the pain right uh and that's fine all my job is to is to uncover the truth um on these calls um and so yeah i'll deal with the objection I, I would never overcome it um so yeah, those are the two bits to, to kind of wrap up is figure out well, are they telling you the truth or is this actually an objection? Are they trying to bat you away uh and how are you going to push it back on them to deal with it themselves um, yeah so that's that's your answer
0: yeah, awesome now, the reason I ask is uh I actually when I had the uh, uh zach and jack on i I had a cold call like i think like a few days before, and uh hmm. I was I was calling, I, call, I called someone and basically they were like, have you looked at our website or something? And yeah. uh, uh, I think, yeah, it was, it was it was an interesting reaction. I think the guy was just being a bit of a better to be honest. But um, Jack and Zach, they were like, well, the way we would have done it is flipped it back on them, like you said, and said, well, if I said, I have looked at your website, but I wouldn't pass a quiz on it, like how important would that be to you? Like how why and how yeah. why is it important that I've looked at your website? Um, which I found really interesting because I think what most people do is they they just ha they you know they handle the objection with like a um uh like a set template answer. But that doesn't really solve the problem because then the, the prospect just comes back with another objection. And and you like you said, it could be a statement of truth as well, but it could also be yeah. a smoke screen and you're not really like actually yeah. uncovering anything, right? So it's um, it's an interesting, interesting approach. Um, sorry, were you we going to say something now?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say a couple <laughs> of comments on it. Um, no, you're absolutely right in that. Um, like cold call like sales just broadly speaking is simply the the science and the art of communication, right? Um, and so cold calling is exactly the same. All we have are words. I know the sales profession and industry loves to uh kind of hide behind all this great technology and um presentations and slides and fancy websites and all the rest of it um but ultimately all we have are words that is literally the core of sales and so the the thing with cold calling in the conversation is it's like and this is just with anyone in the kind of art of communication or the science behind it is it's conversations are like a game of table tennis right is a conversation first and foremost is two people asking each other questions when there's only one person asking the questions that's an interrogation right and so you don't want that on the cold call you don't want you don't want to be the only one asking questions and you don't want them the prospect to be the only one asking questions because that's an interrogation you don't want that you want a conversation and so if you picture a game of table tennis. For the game to continue, you've always got to return the ball, and so, like you said, the the, the uh, scenario with the website. If a mistake that salespeople make is they believe that um, like going back to the belief systems, right, is you've always got to get the right answer, and you be, they believe that credibility is built from having uh, getting the right answer. But if you if in in that context, if you gave an answer around have you looked at their website or whatever that might be and you don't flip it back with a question, or you don't deal with that in a different way, you just answer it, then you haven't returned the ping pong ball, right? And the conversation, like they, the prospect wins the point first and foremost, but all the power is still on their side, right? And that's a common thing that happens with cold calling and and sales, uh, uh, discovery meetings, whatever you want to call it, is that the person asking the questions is the one that's in control and they have all of the power. And so if all you're doing is answering questions, you are literally you're in the palm of your prospects hands. And so, yeah, you've back to your point, you've got a one, you've got to always be asking questions and this is a skill, right? That, that takes time to develop, um, and situational awareness, how to ask the right questions without pissing the prospect off. Um, but yeah, you need to do that to to, to kind of remain in control um, of the conversation and to not let your prospect kind of dominate you. Because again, if you allow the prospect to do that, then you just lose cred- credibility because they're just going to think, "Are oh, you all you're just another salesperson?" And already we know prospects think li- very little of salespeople, and so they're going to walk all over you. And the more situations that you put yourself in like that, the less success you're going to have, right? Because Do you want to work with someone that's just going to bend over to your will or do you want to work with someone that's going to challenge you and uh, give you good guidance and advice and ask challenging questions? Because I'd want want to be working with that person, right? That's why I'm paying them money to do whatever it is they're doing because I can't do it myself. And so you want that guidance. And so, yeah, that's a really big thing with cold calling and sales, uh, widely speaking, with discovery meetings and all the rest of it is um yeah, the this element of control and, and being able to uh challenge prospects and stand your ground and, and have a good conversation and not just be interrogated by them. I think it's really important. So
0: yeah. Yeah. Awesome, mate. that was really, really interesting and good advice. Um I think just to close this off, mate, it'd be just really interesting. For people who are like, you know, just getting started in cold calling and listen to this, if you could just give them like three basic tips, what would you what would you tell them?
1: three basic tips uh the first one is uh you've got to you've got to understand why you're doing it and i'll give the answer here it's not a problem like like we discussed earlier though like most um businesses and yeah the mindset of businesses is that they just got to get in front of people and they'll wow them and they'll dazzle them with their process product product service uh all these amazing clients that they've worked with and their fancy slides and demos and all the rest of it and that is so far from the truth and so yeah understand that first and foremost the you can't and should shouldn't be selling to everyone your job is really to disqualify prospects mm. um yeah that's a really important thing because you don't want to be attached to the outcome you want to you can do a really good job on a cold call do everything perfect and still not get the meeting, right? So that's one to do with mindset. Uh, The second one is you've got to have some sort of process that you follow and understand why you're doing what you're doing, which I didn't really cover on that last point. But the purpose of prospecting is to find people that are experiencing problems that your product or service can fix, right? That's the purpose of it. And then to get them emotional about it. And the reason why is because... What motivates people to buy anything? It firstly is emotion. And then secondly, uh, we kind of justify it um, with the left side of our brain with some sort of um, logical thinking. Right. And so, yeah, the emotion part comes first. So we buy based on emotion. So knowing that and knowing that also people are far more motivated to move away from pain than they are towards pleasure. Um, focusing on problems and getting prospects emotional about them problems uh, is the purpose of what you're trying to do, right? So if you can't find someone who's got problems, then uh, find someone that has, right? You're just never going to sell to them because that's what motivates people to buy. So yeah, you need to understand that and then have a process. There are loads out there. Just find one um, that you think is going to work on your calls and just stick to it and get really good at it. I think a trap that people fall into um especially with the amount of content and idiots like me that add to this we put out content daily all these tips all these different things to do um it can be paralyzing especially for new people coming into the industry or the job um and so yeah find one way of doing things and stick to it just get really good at that to begin with and once you get really good at that then you can start thinking about all this other stuff that people are saying and how you might want to integrate that into the way that you're doing things and perhaps improve it um and yeah that would be number two and then the final thing is back to um, the number one thing that people are going to struggle with is consistency and so back to the beliefs thing I think that's the main one is that you've got to acknowledge all of the things that I talked about in terms of don't interrupt busy people don't talk to strangers answering questions and all the rest of it you've got to understand and acknowledge that those beliefs aren't yours right you pick them up from your parents or through childhood and unfortunately they stick with us into adult life and they uh they don't serve us well right so firstly you've got to acknowledge that that's not your fault you you had no choice you had no control over that happening to you but the minute you can acknowledge that it's happening then you can do something about it um but if you don't then you're just going to make excuses you're like oh this is too hard i don't want to do it um it's never going to work and all the rest of it. You've got to kind of get out of your own way in that respect. Um, and then once you've done that, the best thing, the way to change beliefs and ch- turn them around into positive ones is just to do the thing that you fear the most. So you've just got to do it. Um, and the thing that you can do to support it, what I did was um, is internal dialogue i guess you would call it and taking these beliefs acknowledging that they exist and uh replacing them with better ones right and you can only do that over time by spending time on yourself to understand what beliefs you've got in your mind in your head which ones aren't serving you very well and what belief you want to replace them with but you can't just do it once and it happens right you have to constantly be doing it Um, and the combination of that and actually picking up the phone and doing it daily Um, you get over the fear very quickly Um, and then it's just a case of repetition to kind of build up um, I guess confidence but just your skill set right and just having a conversation having a conversation with someone is a skill a very good skill to have Um, but yeah it takes time to develop and as I said, all these things that we kind of learn as a kid growing up, they're just not very good for doing that, which is why people fear doing it so much anyway. So yeah, those are the three things um, that I would suggest. And but yeah, the other one, uh, last thing I'd say on it is uh, Benjamin gave me this advice was um, you've got to be your own best friend uh, in sales and cold calling. Cause you're going to take more, um, i guess beatings or you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed and so you've got to accept that that's kind of part of the process um it makes the wins more enjoyable but if you can accept that that's the norm for everyone then yeah you've got to be your own best friend and just be like Look, uh, this is going to be hard it's going to be rough at times um but i this is what this is part of the course sort of thing right like accept it um, and, yeah, try not to to be too hard on yourself because, like I said, I still make mistakes to this day. I remember making one this morning that I was really pissed off about. Um, but, yeah, you, it's going to happen. So you've got to be be your own best friend. I think that's a really, really important one. And what is a very difficult job and especially cold calling, right, a difficult task to do.
0: Yeah, that' awesome, mate. Loved, loved all that. So, um, yeah, no, fa- thanks so much for coming on, mate. R- really, really appreciate it. And I'm sure people will get loads of loads of value out of this. Um, where do you want, where can people find you? Where do you want people to go? Yeah, good, good question. I've, I'm everywhere now. So
1: yeah, I guess the best place to find me is uh, LinkedIn. Um, just Callum Beecroft, Um, or The Phone Jacker. You can find me that way. Uh, and then my website, um, thephonejacker.co.uk. Those are probably the two best places. And yeah, I've got a YouTube channel, just Phone Jacker again. Uh, and I've recently on uh, what is now X uh, again at the phone yeah. jacker. Um, so yeah, any of those channels, um, but yeah, LinkedIn, best place, all my website, you can find more information about what I do and the training that I provide and all the rest of it.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, I'll put all the links in the descriptions and in the clips and everything anyway. But yeah, mate, <laughs> yeah, I no, that's, um, that's awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it
1: no thank you for the invite um yeah it's been a while since i've done a podcast so no i really enjoyed that um so yeah thanks as well